Hey guys, you are listening to Killer Cocktails, where the drinks are stiff, but the bodies are stiffer. This is a casual true crime podcast where two friends get drunk and talk about gruesome murders. Each week we pick a different drink whose name or ingredients set the tone for our stories. Okay guys, welcome back to another week of Killer Cocktails. We are drinking a cocktail, and that cocktail is... You forgot, and that's why you're stalling. (laughs) You're stalling. I'm not stalling, you're stalling. Amber had a sour. I knew it, I knew you were stalling. Um, This week we are drinking the Amaretto Sour. Smooth, Drea. Thanks. (laughs) These are tasty. They're really good. Super good. Upon first sip, I went, ooh, I like it, and I immediately went, I'm going to have another one of these at some point in my life. Yeah. At some point in my life. Like this year. Like I've been creating like a summer cocktails list uh-huh. of things that when I am out and about and I get a drink where I get to be like, I'll have a this. And I know, and this is like the little douchebaggy part of me, where then other people go, what did you just order? And I mm. go, oh, an Amaretto Sour. And then they taste it like, that's really good. Where you like educate other people yeah. off your delicious choice. You love educating. I do. Yeah. Um, and I like being a little bit of a douchebag. Yep. <laughs> that was my polite way of saying that. <laughs> um, so the first one I made us, it was like, the you would say the classic recipe. You yeah. have your amaretto. Um, you're supposed to have cast-proof bourbon. We just had Buffalo Trace. Um, you have your le- uh, fresh lemon juice, some um, simple syrup, and egg white. And you just kind of shaky, shaky, shaky. And it's delicious. You garnish with like a lemon twist and cherry. and So good. So good. But then we saw this. Sweet. This is a sweet tasting drink. It's a sweet tasting drink for sure. Um, and then we saw this other recipe that's even simpler. Um, it's amaretto, sweet and sour mix, and um, like Sprite. And this one just tastes like a soda. It's like a different kind of soda. Yeah. Yeah. yeah with the bubbles and everything. They're... they're- similar-ish tasting drinks, but also kind of super different in my mind. This is one, like, what I said to Kyle was, I feel like if you went out and you ordered one, obviously there's a variety of ways for someone to make it, mm-hmm. but I like the variety. Like, I wouldn't be bent out of shape whichever way the bartender took it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think they can mess this up unless they're trying. Yeah. Yeah. But I would definitely say this is a very refreshing, probably more spring, summertime-esque cocktail. For, for this one, when I was looking into Amaretto's, because I didn't know much about them. Uh, Disarono is an amaretto. Mm-hmm. And I just remembered those commercials from like the 90s of like, Disarono on the rocks. <laughs> like it like stuck in my psyche. Yeah. And then I was like, is it actually a good? And I looked it up. I was like, all right. So it's a decent amaretto. And then what they were saying is if you get a really cheap amaretto, like a $10 amaretto, that they're really like sticky sweet. Oh. And that sometimes that can make the cocktail a little like too sweet for people yeah so you have to have a, a good amaretto yeah um and then you create the sweetness with other things yeah i think this was the perfect kind like i think i i'm not sweet inclined i'm definitely more savory and i'm really liking this cocktail and then by if the there way, was a bacon cocktail oh my god i'd be all over it <laughs> <laughs> um this cocktail was actually recommended to us by an avid listener that's right and actually kyle's really good friend tom who lives in texas what up tom thank what you up, tom you always like text him about different episodes, so thank you for listening. Tom to Tom Tom Tom. <laughs> okay, the Amaretto Sour. So I'm gonna give you a little bit of history. Oh yeah, break down. We uh, looked this up very last minute. So ultimately, what I discovered is that um, it was described as an elusive cocktail. Oh, 
uh, that there is very little in the way of stories attached to it. Okay. While many cocktails have people clamoring over who invented it, this is one they kind of say was lost to the times. Okay. Um, so while we don't really have anyone to pin it on or any specific bar or anything like that, they kind of think that it most likely was created in the 1970s. Okay. Um, so I'm going to get a little reedy here for a minute. Uh, um, it was around that time that Italian spirits and liqueurs, uh, were starting to become fashionable in the States. So you had a lot of, um, Italian immigrants and German immigrants kind of coming into the U S well before the seventies, obviously. Um, and Italians kept trying to get people into their drinks and people were like, uh, it's bitter. People mm. liked wine mm-hmm. and Italians loved, you know, wine with dinner, but there were, um, what do you call it? There's a term. There's like before dinner drinks and mm-hmm. after dinner drinks and yeah. aperitifs and stuff like that. Um, but people always kind of found them bitter. And then there was like the lagers with Germany and Americans loved really sweet drinks. They really liked bourbon with sugar mashed into it. Mm-hmm. And like it's always been, Americans always had a bit of a sweet tooth. <laughs> um, like the Negroni, I think, is another Italian. And that took a while for for that to catch on here in America. Um, anyway, so they start importing Amaretto di Serrano, mm-hmm. uh, and it becomes a sensation in the U.S. because it's sweet, it's nutty, and it's very palatable. Mm-hmm. So, uh, do they drink it on the rocks, like the commercial yes. would say? Okay, yes, oh, that's what's cool about that. That's what's cool about okay. Amaretto is you can have it on the rocks, you can mix it into spirits. There's a you put it in coffee. Like mm. there's a bunch of different ways very to versatile. enjoy it. Yes, um, and it is the key ingredient to drinks called the Godfather, the Godmother, the Godchild, apparently. <clears throat> and those ones use amaretto and either scotch vodka or cream. There's all mm-hmm. sorts of different kind of things that you can do. Um, and that's kind of the history of... Short and sweet. Yeah. Kind of like this cocktail. A little bit. <laughs> um, awesome. Thank you, Jackie. I think we're going to just jump into the murder. 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 All right. I'm going to tell you about Leonardo Cinciulli. I like it. Yeah. All right. Leonardo was born on November 14th. This is a lady? Yeah. Leonardo. Yeah. Um, she was born on November 14th, 1893 in Montella, province of Avellino. Weird. This is an old story. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> weird. And we're going back to Italy. I like it. Like our amaretto from Italy. There's your tie, There's amaretto. My t- There's my tie. All right. We're going to jump into her early life which I don't know much about. <laughs> um, other than that, her mother was not a very nice woman. Oh. And would always tell uh, Leonardo that she was cursed by the devil and she would never do anything with her life. Um, unfortunately, um, I think her home life kind of drove her to try to commit suicide twice while growing up. As a kid? As a kid, That's yeah. It's so rare. Isn't it? Um, I feel like I read it more in today's Teenagers news. are different than kids. Yeah. Kid, I would, kid, I would, kid is rare. Yeah. I want to say she was like early kid going into teens. Mm, it's like, so sad. Yeah. I mean, regardless, it's sad. But um, So in 1914, she marries a registered office clerk named Raphael Pansardi. But her parents are not about this guy mm. because they wanted her to marry this other guy. I don't think it was arranged marriage, but I think it was kind of like... It was strongly, yeah. That's who you're going to marry. Mm-hmm. So, other than that, they she goes and gets married to the, the clerk, and at the wedding, Leonardo's mother curses the new couple. 
Oh, please. Yeah, she's like, she puts a, like an old lady Italian curse on them. Is like, you'll never amount to anything. Blah, 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 blah. I hate it. So the couple then moves to Lorigno in Alta Ipretina, somewhere in Italy. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Have you been to Italy? Yeah, parts of it. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. And um, Leonardo is sent to jail for a short time for fraud. And then their home is destroyed by an earthquake in 1930. So, so they're like, maybe we are cursed. I mean, the fraud is probably on them. but like, <laughs> Yeah. <clears throat> Luck is where you look for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so they decide to move to Corrigio, where Leonardo opens a small shop and becomes very popular around town. And people describe her as what kind of shop is this, a nice and gentle woman. I don't know. Just a shop. I, that's just a little chitchkeys shop, let's say. Ch- chitchkeys? <laughs> little chitchkeys. Little chachkeys. There we go. <laughs> little chitchkeys. Amaretta's getting to me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, everyone around town is like, she's nice. She's okay. awesome. She's cool. the sweetest. So Leonardo. Her mom's a bit of a bee. But... <laughs> <laughs> but she's not even around. So, yeah. so Leonardo um, starts to get pregnant, as you do when you're married. Um, and she actually becomes pregnant 17 times. Yeah. Gives birth to 17 people or? No, not quite. Okay. So she has three miscarriages mm. and then 10 children die before they reach the age of 10. Okay. Okay. So obviously. Do we, she, I'm giving you a side eye. Yeah, it's not that. Okay. Okay. So obviously. It's just having kids in the olden days. Yeah. Yeah. And so obviously. Or she's cursed. <laughs> How did I forget? <laughs> okay. So obviously obviously she becomes very protective of the four children who are still alive. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, before she started having children, a fortune teller told her that she would marry and have children, but that all of the children would die. So she has this what co- kind of prophecy going into all this. These, I have an issue with these. Fortune tellers? Yeah. What's your issue? So it's either... Complete hocus pocus. Okay. Uh-huh. It's either complete hogwash. Mm-hmm. And the person, I, I feel like it just takes advantage of people who are in this place where they're searching for something. Yeah. And so you, you're talking to someone who you consider an authority on whatever, and they tell you something that either relieves you or stresses you out. Mm hmm. And if they tell like you, a, if they tell you prison, if they tell you all these things, self fulfilling prophecy kind a of thing. A little bit. Yeah. Or if, let's say, let's give benefit of the doubt, okay, it's kind of a weird position to be in to tell somebody, uh, all your children are going to die. All your children are going to die. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I saw that. You don't need to tell a mother that. Yeah. Yeah. You could see it and then be like, hey, you've got a hard life ahead of you. I don't know. You can soften the blow a bit. Yeah. I just don't know. Maybe honesty is the best policy when it comes to knowing the fortune tellers. Yeah. But. I just, I don't know. She also saw another fortune teller who practiced palm reading. And this person told her, in your right hand, I see prison. And in your left, criminal asylum. (sighs) So maybe a little, you know, kind of, what is that foreshadowing for the future? Yeah. So in 1939, Leonardo's. Is this a small ass town where they already know she's been to jail for fraud? No, she moved, remember? Yeah. Yeah. And now this town thinks she's amazing. She has this little shop. Mm. But these fortune tellers were back in her old town. So I feel like 
those are before she was having children. Okay. Maybe her mother's friends. I don't know. Yeah. Um, this is all just her mother trying to get to her. Exactly. So in 1939, Leonardo's eldest son, Giuseppe, got enlisted to join the Italian army to go fight in World War II. I was going to say, World War II is going on. Everyone's affected by all these wars. Weird. So Giuseppe just so happened to be Leonardo's favorite child. And she decided she was oh, going to protect child. him at all costs. So, over the years, Leonardo had become very superstitious, as we have heard, and she decided that in order to keep her children safe, she would need to start making human sacrifices. It's a leap. It is a leap, yeah. Obviously, there's some data in here that I'm missing, but that is the conclusion she came to. So, Leonardo's first victim was uh, Fatstina Setti, who was a lifelong spinster. Oh, and so um, she knows Leonardo from around town, and um, she goes to her one day, and she's just in her shop, and Leonardo is like, I can help you find a husband. And she's like, say what? And Leonardo's like, yeah, um, I actually have the perfect guy for you, and he lives in uh, Pola, Italy. And she was like, you don't want to jinx it, so don't tell anybody about him yet. She also convinces uh, Festina to write letters and postcards ahead of time to relatives and friends saying she had met the love of her life and that she was safe in her new home. So on the day uh, Festina is supposed to leave, she goes People taking advantage of sad, (laughs) lonely people is so sad. Yeah. Mm. Are you okay? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. So... Festina goes to Leonardo because she's about to leave. And uh, Leonardo is like, I'm so happy for you. Let's celebrate. Here's some wine. So she gives her the wine and it's obviously drugged. Yeah. And um, so Festina passes. You can't drug a Sicilian. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great movie. Y'all go watch uh, Princess Bride. <laughs> dying to say that. <laughs> I was like, oh, poisoning wine. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, so Fastina passes out, and Leonardo takes an axe and kills Fastina while she's sleeping. With an axe? Mm-hmm. Oh. In her, like, shop. I want to say it's in the back room, but yeah. Um, she then drags the body into a closet and cuts the body into nine parts and gathers the blood into a bucket. And this is um, an entry from her diary. She then... <laughs> Gotta keep a diary if you're committing crimes. (laughs) Yes. Keep that data. Everyone, if you're going to commit a crime, please write down detailed notes. Yes. Yes. Text your friends about it. Facebook live it. (laughs) Um, She then, so this is from her diary. She then throws the pieces of body and blood into a pot and adds seven kilos of sodium hydroxide, a.k.a. lye, and stirs until the pieces of body have dissolved into a thick, dark mush. She then pours the mixture into several buckets and empties it into a nearby septic tank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She then waits for the blood in the pot to coagulate and dried it out in the oven, ground it, and mix it with flour, sugar, chocolate, milk, eggs, as well as a bit of margarine, kneading all the ingredients together. And she says in her diary, I made lots of crunchy tea cakes and serve them to the lady who, ladies who came to visit, though Giuseppe and I also ate them. Okay, I was taking a sip and I was mildly distracted. <laughs> what? She she essentially took the coagulated blood, she dried it out, put it in the oven, mixed it in. With, she made her own, like, almond flour, but with blood. 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> she poured she poured most of the goo into a septic tank. Yes. But then she still had some leftover. Mm-hmm. And she decided to make tea cakes out of it. Mm-hmm. Crunchy tea cakes. And she ate them. Her sons ate them. Everyone around town ate them. That is mean. <laughs> to involve other people in your crazy. Yeah. To have... Just imagine going to someone's shop or play. Just imagine that someone offers you a treat. And we all love being offered treats. <laughs> and we all partake in the treats. Mm-hmm. And then telling that person, like, mmm, this is delicious, and then going on about it. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yes, yes. Yeah, I hate well, it. now, here's a follow-up question. How many free treats have you taken in your life, and how many do you think have been weird free treats? <laughs> I would like to think I've done. <laughs> I don't know, Jackie. But I know someone brings free treats to work all the time, and they're delicious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And they never eat them. Yeah. That's not true. <laughs> oh, my God. I hate it. Oh. Does this um, remind you of anything yet? Probably not yet. Okay. No, we'll keep reading. Something in the story is going to remind you of a movie. I think I know, but I never saw it. Chocolat. No. No. Oh. <laughs> That's not the plot of that movie at all. I never saw it. I never That's saw like it. It's like a romantic. Oh, my God. <laughs> Um, no, it's like a love story with, oh, uh, with so the opposite. Yeah. All right. So, Leonardo also took uh, Fastia's life. So I don't know what movie this Not is. Not yet. No. Remind me of. Uh, you will. Um, 20 Todd? No. Go ahead. Why, why don't you just tell me? Okay. Uh, so, Leonardo also takes the life savings of Fastina, which is 30,000 lire, which is about 5,500 lire. Lire. I don't know that that's right. Okay. What? According to you, and I don't know that I'm right. Oh, my God. It sounds right. Okay. So she took about $5,500 from her um, as payments for her services. Oh, my God. <laughs> this lady's the worst. <laughs> She's trying to save her children. Yeah. <laughs> so Leonardo also knew Francesca uh, so- Soavi. And she was um, like, yo, friend, I found you a job. Yo, friend. <laughs> yo, friend. <laughs> uh, I found you uh, a job. Um, at a school for girls in Piacenza. Again, Leonardo convinces Francesca to write postcards to be sent to friends, explaining her new situation. And then Francesca comes to see Leonardo before she leaves on her new journey. And again, Leonardo gives Francesca some drugged wine and kills her with an axe on September 5th of 1940. Dang. And again, Leonardo makes the body into crunchy cakes and passes them out to people around town. This is outrageous. All right. Then... I would be so mad to discover that I'd eaten a body cake. A body cake? Yeah. What if it was the best cake you've ever had? I'd be more mad. <laughs> that you tricked me into liking cannibal cakes. Yeah. Cannibal cakes. <laughs> Get your cannibal cakes. Yeah, I'm not. Oh, I'd be mad. Drea. I'm sorry. If you did that to me, I'd be mad. <laughs> I'm not going to do I can't cook. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not going to make you crunchy cakes. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. That's really funny. <laughs> okay, so now I'm going to tell you about Virginia Cachopo. 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 Uh, Virginia was a former soprano who sung at La Scala. She met Leonardo, 
nope, Leonardo. And Leonardo was like, yo, I got a job for you as a secretary in Florence. And again, she told her not to tell anyone about the job. And again, Virginia agreed. I don't understand that at all. Well, let's pre-write letters. You got to think, what's the postal service like in the 40s? You have telephones in the 40s, right? Uh, um, Early 40s? You got phones. It's the war. You got phones. You got telegrams for sure. You got... TV's going to come out in a decade. Mm, TV's out. Color TV? I don't know. <laughs> We're obviously a story. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I could see if you're going to be in a play. You could spin an argument that there's going to be a hiccup with the mail. Write yeah. these ahead of time so we can get so them out. So your family doesn't worry. Yeah. All right. So um, on September 30th of 1940, uh, she went to see Leonardo before her trip, and Leonardo drugged her and killed her with an axe. Leonardo puts the remains in her pot again, and in her diary, she wrote, Her flesh was fat and white. When it had melted, I added a bottle of cologne, and after a long time on the boil, I was able to make some most acceptable creamy soap. I gave bars to neighbors and acquaintances. The cakes, too, were better. That woman was really sweet. Ugh. Nope. Do you know what movie it's from now? Fight Club? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) Different than Chocolat. Yeah. (laughs) I'm really glad I asked you in the beginning and not now. Oh, yeah, I know that movie, but I haven't seen it. I was like, for sure you've seen Fight Club. (laughs) So again, Leonardo steals some money from her, about $9,000 and some jewels from Virginia. So some of the family is getting kind of, you know, suspicious. Yeah. Virginia's sister-in-law was the first to come forward because she was like, Virginia just kind of up and left suddenly. And um, the last place I heard she was was at Leonardo's house. Mm -hmm. So she reported her suspicions to the superintendent um, of police who opened an investigation and soon arrested Leonardo. Leonardo immediately confessed to the murders, providing detailed accounts of what she had done. She has her diary, too, that just oh, kind of, yeah. you know. Nail in the coffin. Yeah. She has her crunchy biscuit recipe, recipe <laughs> Oh, my down. God. Um, uh, she was tried for murder and in 1946. During the trial, she showed no remorse, going so far as to correct the official account while on the stand. Oh, my God. Um, she, quote, unquote, said, I gave the copper ladle, which I used to skim the fat off the kettles, to my country, which was so badly in need of metal during the last days of the war. Oh, my God. She was found guilty of her crimes and sentenced to 30 years in prison and three years in criminal asylum. Uh, Uh uh, the two hands, right and left. (laughs) Okay. Leonardo uh, died of cerebral apocalypse. Apocalypse. She died of a stroke, essentially, in the women's (laughs) criminal asylum. (laughs) Uh, on October 15th of 1970, a number of artifacts from the case, including the pot in which the victims were boiled, are Ooh. on display Ooh. at the Criminology Museum in Rome. Whoa. And she also wrote a memoir, memoir called An Embittered Soul's Confessions, which kind of details her life and crimes. Dang. Yeah. And that I, is... I feel like... Would you go... I feel like I could only go to a murder museum if it was like hell of old it was like what like a hell like a murder museum about really old crimes yeah i like i, I, I want to go to the like i don't know that I houses wanna, of the i don't know that i want to go to anything 
recent. You you yeah. got to put some time between it. Yeah, yeah. What was it? Did we tell this one or did I was just telling you about one of the I think I was just telling you about it. One of the crimes took place on like an old farm place and it was like mm. a mass murder of the whole family. Yeah. Um and they to pay off like the mortgage and the debt that the family oh. left over, the family pay like made, made people pay a... yeah to like walk through and there was like a fruit cake on the counter that they had left because that's what had been left out on that yeah. day and people started taking raisins from the fruit cake people like as souvenirs gross. yeah 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 mm. well jackie that was the soap maker of corrigio yeah yeah gross Drea. anytime <laughs> <laughs> anytime you want to come over for some uh, tea cakes Ew. <laughs> I want to watch you pop the seal and have them be fresh <laughs> from a bakery. Damn it. Um, this would normally be break time. Yeah. We haven't been taking breaks. Do you have to go to the bathroom or uh-huh. do you need a fresh drink or? Uh, okay. All right. Okay. I'm going to tell you a story that took place in Italy. 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 Um, originally, I feel like I was going to tell you about an almond murder Oh, <laughs> but then I ended up not doing that one. Okay, so um, on November twenty sixth, two thousand ten. Oh, okay. A little after five p.m. This one's sad. Oh. A thirteen-year-old girl named Yara Gambirasio. Gambirasio. Uh, so she leaves her house and she's headed down the street. Um, and all she's going to do, she's going to take a stereo with her. She's in a She's a gymnast. Okay. And she's got a performance that Sunday. So mm-hmm. she's going to take a stereo down and leave it with her instructor. Okay. And the sports complex is like 700 meters, like less than half a mile from her house. Yeah. How old is she again? 13. 13. Which maybe now people have a problem with. But I like joking with my family. Like I was straight up six and my like no older than six. My brother was no older than eight. And we would ride our bikes. Everywhere. My parents knew we were Maybe within a square mile of the house. Yeah. We'd ride down to the liquor store and buy a candy bar. We'd hang out at the creek. We'd go down to the canyon. We were all over the place. Yeah. Um, okay, so she's going to go drop this stereo off to her instructor because she's got this performance coming up on Sunday. And so she leaves the house around 5-ish. Then they say that she left the sports complex around like 645. Okay. So her instructor says, yeah, I saw her. She came and she like tumbled around for a bit. And then she left. There's a text message that she sent to a friend at 6.44 p.m. Mm. that said, um, hey, like, I'm excited to see you Sunday. Like, it wasn't about, like, I'm walking home, but, like, that's the last time mm-hmm. she had possession of her phone and, and sent a text. Um, so they think she left around, like, 6.45-ish. Then uh, she's not back by 7. Her family's getting concerned. They grow kind of worried. They call her voice. They call her phone. It goes straight to voicemail. They let like so seven o'clock. They're worried. They call her at seven ten. Seven ten. She doesn't pick up by seven twenty. They've called the police and they're like something's okay. up. Okay, yeah. Um, so they're pretty on it and quick. Um, a search goes underway. So this is again. This is in November of two thousand ten. They won't find her body until February twenty sixth, two thousand eleven. Mm. So several months go by. Um, her body was found in oh, Italians hard. <laughs> Chinolo di Isola 
Um, it's about 10 kilometers from where she went missing. This guy was out flying a remote control airplane. And he's, like, having issues with the airplane and, like, lands it and goes over. Basically, he's in a field playing with this remote control airplane. And then while he's out in this field, he discovers God, to her. to think, I mean... To think if he was like, you know what, I don't feel that good today. I'm not going to go out to that. I know. You know, like what happenstance. I know. That's crazy. Um, so was it? Was she buried or was she just So gonna... they find uh, her iPod, her keys, and her phone ba- battery, but no phone. Okay. They Her body showed uh, multiple superficial cuts. Um, like she, like defensive wounds? Or... They say possibly made by a pointed object such as a nail or a knife. Oh, um, and a large wound on her head. Mm. So later on that summer, the final autopsy hadn't been released yet, but there's all sorts of speculation and like leaked documents and stuff. And they're saying that her death was uh, caused by a combination of a head blow, um, as from falling on a hard surface or being hit with a stone. So she had this big head blow. Um, and then at least six wounds or cuts that were not deadly. So that's why they're calling superficial, like just kind of stabbings, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it's determined, I think ultimately what they decide is she's hit on the head, she has all these stabbings, but she died of exposure. Oh. Oh. So and, someone just left her out there? And and they're saying that while they have trace evidence of stuff, that she wasn't sexually assaulted. Um, so originally, they go after this Moroccan guy. Okay. And he's arrested because he made a comment that was mistranslated. So then it's later cleared up and he's exonerated. And it wasn't in the original article I was reading. I found this in another article. So basically, they have these really short timelines. They're kind of on this from the get-go. And my understanding is that they pulled cell phone towers and they know, like, what cell phones are in the area when she went missing. Mm. Now we have, we're going to tap all those phones. And it's like 50,000 phones. Wow. It's a very small town. Yeah. Um, but basically, they're eavesdropping. They're tapping into this guy's phone. And they hear him say something about, I didn't mean to kill her. But they mistranslated. But they mistranslated. That's not what he said. Yeah. So then it's later cleared up. But I was just fascinated by the fact that you've got this murder and now we're tapping all these phones. 50,000 phones? I think that's correct. That's insane. But Without their not, knowledge. Like, let's just pretend yeah. like it's just like any cell phone that yeah. pinged off this tower in the last day yeah that's still interesting that you have that kind of scope power to do that yeah um and okay. is it like a switch they flip and they're just listening or... i don't i don't know <laughs> i don't like america's different than italy like i don't know how the oh i forgot we're in italy so uh they find trace evidence of genetic material taken off of her pants and leggings um, and it's, so basically they get some DNA, I think off of her under, I, this says like pants and clothes, but then on another article it said underpants. Um, but so somewhere in her clothing, they find DNA evidence mm. and now they're comparing it to all these DNA profiles. They create a suspect DNA and they call it Ignato one means unknown one. Mm-hmm. So here's the DNA profile. This is who we're after. We're pretty sure this is the, this is the killer. Then they end up, like, they go on a couple different wild goose chases. So the Moroccan guy's a wild goose chase. Then they decide that because she was found in this field, there's a club nearby. Mm-hmm. And it's called, uh, I can't remember what the Italian name is for it, but it's like Quicksand. So it's like a club. Mm-hmm. And the club has a membership. And so they know all the people who are regulars. Mm. And what the investigators are thinking is, this is kind of a weird remote area that people tend to dump bodies, like, they'll, like, 
in places that they know. So they're thinking maybe whoever dropped this body here goes to this club. Mm -hmm. So then they're like searching through the records of the club, of the memberships, and then they just kind of stake it out and they're just in front of the club just asking for people's DNA. So they're doing these big DNA searches and people are giving their DNA. So as part of one of these like stings on this thing, one of these like gather DNA things at the club is they get some DNA that's not an exact match, but it's really close. So like a relative? Potentially. Okay. Okay, so uh, this brings their attention to Damiano Guarinoni. Sure. (laughs) Sounds legit. (laughs) Um, He's ultimately cleared because he was out of the country when this all happened. Okay. But, like, his DNA, they're, like, they're excited about his DNA. So it's discovered that his mother was hired help in Yara's home. Oh. And that, this again is a very small town. Yeah. um, But that she had been there twice a week. For forever. Like, for a long time. Like, yeah. she's not currently employed by them. So they investigate her, and they're still, like, basically when they're talking to this lady, they go, this is just a crazy coincidence. Okay. They kind of, they exhaust it, and they go, she really cares about this family. She really cares about this girl. Um, this is a small town. Weird. But they're still really obsessed with this guy's DNA. So then from that... They kind of whittle it down and they're like going through family trees. They become obsessed with this family tree. And they ultimately land on this guy, Giuseppe Guarinoni. My Giuseppe? Different (laughs) different Giuseppe. Um, And they like go back to his house. He died in 1999. He's not around. Yeah. But his, like they're convinced he's the guy. Not the murderer, but like he's part of, anyway. Because this happened in 2010, right? Correct. Okay. They've been dead for a long time. Yeah. They find a stamp that he supposedly licked. Okay. And they pull his DNA and they're like, this is the father of Ignato One. Did Based have, off... Did he have children? Yeah. <gasps> but all of the children are... So it's an illegitimate child. Oh. Everyone else is cleared. So now they're like, all right, we got this... Potential saliva off this 20-year-old stamp. That might have been licked. That might have been licked. We think it was licked by Giuseppe. We're now positive that Giuseppe's illegitimate child, because now we've got his wife's DNA. Like, we're pretty positive that there's a a kid out there, Whoa. and that's who the murderer is. What a hit for that wife, too. Yeah. So then... Like a bunch of rigmarole, it eventually lands them on this guy who is a local, he's an Italian bricklayer living in the area. Mm-hmm. That was the other part of it was they found uh, on her clothing, they found traces of lime and I can't remember the name of it. Essentially, it's a type of rope. I think I'll come across it in a bit here. Um, so there was already a working theory that the murderer was a laborer, like mm. was like he worked in building in some. Mm-hmm. So now they've got this guy who they do discover is an illegitimate son of Giuseppe. What? And his name is Massimo Giuseppe Bossetti. Massimo. And uh, so he becomes the target of investigations because his mother's DNA is tested. And they're like, all right. Yeah. So they're figuring all this out through all these blood tests. Um, because they wanted to observe him for several months before confronting him, they want to make sure he's the guy, they uh, 
create this like situation where essentially they try to have him do a breathalyzer test mm. and that's when they get his DNA. So they stage this whole other thing to get his DNA and then they're like, boom, matches the crime. Whoa. He's our guy. What? Now we're in. So he's arrested on June 16th, 2014. Charged with murder. You killed this little girl. Your DNA matches the DNA that's found on her body. Bosetti has claimed all along that he is innocent. Mm-hmm. He states that he suffered from, I had to look this up, suffered from epistaxis, uh-huh. which is some sort of like your nose bleeds all the time, I guess. Okay. Um, he says that someone had stolen all, a bunch of his work tools, including a knife and all and a trowel. And that the DNA proof is fabricated or uh, there was excessive exposure due to weather or the humans messed it up. So he's just like, I'm missing a bunch of tools and I have a blood thing where I spill blood on other stuff. And you don't. You is didn't... that true? Yeah. Uh-huh. And did he ever report all that stuff stolen? No, no, that's really brought okay. up. So basically he's like, I'm innocent. Yeah. And here's all the reasons why I think your yep. case is bullshit. Um. But they, the police maintain that the samples of excellent quality, nothing happened to it, and they're so sure of his guilt that they don't offer him a plea, plea bargain. Wow. They won't let him confess. They're like, nope, we're just, you're guilty. Wow. Um, he's charged with life imprisonment. His wife confirms his alibi. She's like, he was with me, and she's not believed. They say that they have phone recordings that... I was going to say, that was like four years ago. How do you know where you were on that specific day? That's really hard. I don't know what I did yesterday. I was home all day. I have no alibi. You making tea cakes? Huh. <laughs> I was cleaning. Um, the right. crime scene. So, sorry. <laughs> so then January 1st, 2015, a scientific advisor to the court states that, so basically they bring in this, and if you're the defense, you're hiring people to be like, no, for this reason, that's not yeah, normal. Yeah. So they hire this guy who's like, I don't think that his DNA matches. And here's the reasons I don't think it matches. Um, and there's a, there's, I'm not going to get into this, uh, nitty gritty of it. If you want to get DNA nuts about it, there's an argument to be made as to why mm. this is incorrect and not his. Um, so let's pretend that he's incorrectly in prison and it wasn't him. Who could it be? Yeah. So his defense are saying that it was an instructor at the gym. Oh. That Sylvia Brenna was the focus of their, uh, you know, they're, they're saying it's her. Her blood was found on the sleeves of Yara's jacket. Was it? Identified by DNA. Whoa. That on the night of Yara's disappearance, Sylvia Brenna's father said that she cried all night, although she has given no reason for this. Under questioning, she said that she remembered nothing and could not explain why she or her brother had sent text messages to each other at the time of Yara's disappearance and why they had immediately deleted those text messages without any others. Just the messages to each other. Wow. Why would you text anything about that, though? If you need your brother to help you move a body. Call him. What would her motive be? I don't know. Maybe it was an accident? I don't know. I don't mean to throw her in You the just bus. put down your this, iPad. Are you done? That's the end of the story. Jackie, no! So we don't know. I no, mean, there's a dude in jail who was found guilty Oh, he of went it. to jail? Oh. oh, he's in jail. Is he Found doing... guilty. They say, the, they say the DNA matches. He just says he's innocent. 
but the courts have found him guilty. He went through appeals. The appeals found like he's guilty. What was his motive? He has no connection to her. Huh. And he had no prior whatever. He was never in jail not, for not anything. Mentioned. The Guardian did a really detailed article about it. Um, so if you want more details on it, The Guardian has a really great yeah article. Wow. I'm Isn't upset that... because I don't get a closure. I Yeah. I intentionally <laughs> led you to be upset. Dang it. Well, who do you think? On its, on its surface. Yeah. Just Seppi did it and he, you know, he's in jail for it. But like, what's Massimo, her, excuse me. What's her face's blood was all over the girl too. Yeah, I don't like. I that's why I included it. That's weird. It's complete hearsay. I no one like. Don't come after me. I'm not yeah, saying she yeah, did. Yeah. But I either think Giuseppe saw her, attacked her. But it's weird that there was no violation of sexual mm-hmm. nature. But then at the same time, it's the gym teacher. She was tumbling around. Mm-hmm. Maybe there was an accident. Maybe she freaked out. I don't know why she wouldn't just call the cops because then maybe she did have a little bit more to do with it. And then she texted her brother. I don't know. There's no tire tracks out to where the body was. Jacqueline. That was good. I mean, the the story about the instructor, it just is so confusing. Yeah. There's a lot of those like, well, why? why? Yeah. And you're like, why didn't you follow up on it? Like, yeah. I'd like to think the investigators did all that and the, yeah. the court heard all that and yeah. there is a man in jail for it, so he's probably the one who did it. I mean, we see people go to jail all the people time. Who didn't, yeah. It's true. Oh, man. Well, I'll definitely look this one up because that's... Has there, are there any documentaries or any Um, There movies? was... I feel like there was a movie made or like a miniseries yeah. or a short. Um, oh, that, that poor girl. Of. She just... Oh, wait, no, I'm thinking of a different story I was going to tell you. Oh. I don't think there's anything made Anything like that? The poor girl was just going down. Well, I kept, you know, Italian murders, everything that pops up is Amanda Knox. Oh, yeah. Which is a crazy story in and of itself. Weird. Her, she didn't pop out at all for me. It's like the most famous Italian murder. I got my ways of Googling. <laughs> um, like, it was so annoying. Like, when I would search, <laughs> I would put, like... Minus Knox. Like, don't show me shit with Knox on it. Um, not that that in itself isn't an interesting case. Um, but... It's fascinating. Yeah. It was just too much. Yeah. It was too much. We've, we've talked about potentially doing different kind of episodes that aren't part of this mm-hmm. that are you and I talk about the same case. Mm-hmm. And we do bigger cases. Yeah. That would be one that I would think we both take our own. Yeah. Yeah, we, we're in the works of talking about getting a Patreon up and going and covering those big cases that, you know, everyone knows, but, like, who doesn't love hearing of, about them all over yeah. again, like Ted Bundy, Ed Gein, you know, Ed Kemper. Yeah. Yep. All right, guys, we'll see you next week on Killer Cocktails Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Killer Cocktails. As always, on our talent was Jackie Andrea. Uh, be sure to check out our Instagram at Killer Cocktails Podcast or stop by our website, KillerCocktailsPodcast.com, for up to date information, photos, contests, and more. Our logo was created by Michelle Firm, whose amazing art can be found at MichelleFirmDesign.com. Our music was created by Nikolai Heidlus, and we'll be back next week on hashtag Murder Mondays. Ha 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 